0: I have some really great news and that is that we have a guest speaker this morning. Woo! And you you know him, you all know him well. So, Mr. Tony Strobel. Elder Tony. Mm. Come on up. Yes. Want me to pray for you? Yes, please.
1: Okay. Please.
0: Tony Tony is going to do great. I read his talk. It's really good. He doesn't believe it. But it's good. It's good. And we're gonna pray for him because he's a little—he's, you know, not done this before. But he's gonna do great. Okay, so let's pray for him. Why don't we just just uh, just just pray for this guy? Lord, we thank you that uh, you just use normal people just like us, um, and that it's it's by your grace and by your love and by your power that we can do anything uh, for your glory. Uh, so God, we just we just uh, await, uh, Lord, your presence. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd be upon Tony as he's going to share with us and just encourage us from what you've done lord it's all to your glory Uh, so thank you lord for this morning
1: and just bless it in jesus name amen amen Amen. thank you thank you thank you can you guys hear me well good morning my name is tony i'm one of the elders here at the church um as Trey mentioned, uh, my wife Erin and I, we've been attending here for just over seven years. Um, we have two beautiful daughters who most of you probably know. Charlie Grace, she's going to be eight next month, and she's heading into second grade. And Daily Kay, she's five, big five-year-old now, and she's starting kindergarten. So, um, I've been kind of reflecting back on things in our time here at the church, and I've just been filled with such a sense of gratitude, Um, you know, we're so grateful for this little church and all of you who've been, you know, a part of our life and such an amazing support through the good times and some difficult times. Um, So I just wanted to say thank you this morning um, for your love and your prayers and for just being such a beautiful representation of the body of Christ. We're just beyond blessed to be part of this community. Fun fact. Fun fact. <clears throat> so when I was first invited by Trey and Bob and others to be part of the elder team, that was uh, totally taken aback. Like something that I'd never thought of myself uh, being prepared for or worthy of that kind of an invite or anything. So <clears throat> I didn't accept right away. I um, I said, well, let me think on it. And uh, I did. I thought about it. I prayed about it. Aaron and I talked about it. I talked to some other people, and then. It, like, several weeks had passed, and I think maybe Bob cornered me again. And <laughs> I was like, so have you given it some thought? And, and uh, I said, yes. I said, I, um, I think I'll do this. I said, but there's just one condition under no circumstances. Never, ever, ever ask me to come on stage and speak. <laughs> so here we are. Um, another fun fact. So I've never given a sermon before. Congratulations to you. Um, I've never even given... A public presentation longer than maybe a few minutes. So, Um, no theological degree, no seminary training. Actually, didn't even go to college. So, (laughs) Um, I did graduate from Linwood High School, though. So, yeah, go Royals. Um, I love Jesus, and I've read through the entire Bible twice. So, we've got at least that going for us this morning. Um, So, anyways. I've been working through this process of getting prepared for today. Um, And I say process, it's really been like a torment for me. It's just been really hard. Ask Trey or Aaron, they have had it up to here, I'm sure, with my calls and my all of this stuff. But anyways, it was a lot harder to come up with a topic than what I had expected. I kind of thought, well, I've got an idea initially and then that didn't wasn't working for me. So I did another rendition of it. That wasn't working for me. <clears throat> I've just been super in my head about this all week. Barely slept last night. <laughs> um, I've just been, you know, asking God to give me a clear sense of direction on a topic. <clears throat> and I don't I just wasn't feeling it. I wasn't getting it. Um, and mainly because I don't want to waste everybody's time this morning, <laughs> right? <laughs> You know, I want to do a good job for you all. I want to do a good job for God. And um, so anyways, I just wanted to like get that out and say thanks in advance for your patience with me this morning and and your grace because I need it. <clears throat> um, the other night um, after climbing into bed, um, I decided, well, so, Sean actually is like, you should try reading it out loud. Um, you know, and if you can have somebody listen to it, then that's helpful. So I did that and I started reading to Aaron got through a few pages, and then she's like, why are you saying all of that? I was like, I don't know. It sounded really good to me when I wrote it, and then now that I say it out loud, it's like, this is garbage. It was just, we- it was weird. Um, anyways, so, so we talked some more, and eventually she says to me, she's like, why don't you just write down your testimony and share that? Um, maybe God will provide a message from there. <clears throat> I was like, all right. A little defeated and went to sleep that night. And then the next morning, I get a text from Sean, thank you. Very encouraging, say, hey, I'm praying for you, brother. And, you know, just um, he was excited. And uh, specifically, he said, uh, for Holy Spirit empowerment. I was just feeling so not empowered, you know? So I wrote back and said, you know, I'm not feeling great right now. Thank you for your prayers. I just scrapped everything that I'd been working on. Um, And I don't know what to do. And he writes back. He's like, you know, these last few weeks have been, you know, pretty powerful with people sharing their testimonies. Have you considered just maybe getting up there and sharing your story? And I was like, hmm, interesting. (laughs) It's two in a row, right? And then later that same morning, so I'm at work and I get a call from a potential new client of mine and. I'm talking to this gal, and during the course of the conversation, she says to me, she's like, well, uh, something about her husband being a retired pastor. And I was like, oh, oh, really? I was like, can I talk to him, please? <laughs> I have some questions. So she puts him on speakerphone, and because uh, and, I said, you know, I'm trying to prepare my first sermon ever. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Like, it, you know, I feel like I'm just going to make a mess of things. And he gets on, the, so she puts on the speakerphone, he gets on, and he's got like this thick Australian accent, which... I won't attempt this morning. But he says to me, he's like, you know, the main thing, he's like, if you can just share from your heart, be authentic, share your story, (laughs) that will resonate. So I'm like, okay, three, confirmation, God, thank you. Um, You know, I mean, if that's not an answer to my prayer, like, God, what do you you want me doing here? Uh, I don't know what is. So reminded me that in uh, Matthew chapter 7, it says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Anyway, Joyce Meyer says, uh, turn your mess into your message. And I think I've done a pretty decent job of writing down a mess here that we can, <laughs> we can go through. Um, but before that, let's pray. <clears throat> oh, Father God, I'm so nervous. <laughs> Thank you for this time and this opportunity um, for us to gather this morning in your name. We just uh, as always, we just pray for your Holy Spirit to be here um, in this place that we call our 90 community church, your home. We just ask that uh, our hearts can be soft um, and attentive to your word this morning, your spirit, your promptings, um, and that our, uh, we can just have ears to hear what you have to say, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody says? Amen. Oh, yes, they did it. <laughs> I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> I do it with my kids at bedtime. I go, and everybody says, and they almost say anything but amen. Um, Charlie, yeah, anyways, getting off track. Um, all right, so I was born east of the mountains in Spokane, Washington, in April of 1976, which makes me 47 years old now. Um, great family, loving parents, older sister. Uh, My dad worked full-time, and mom stayed home, and she took care of us kids. Life was good. Um, My parents, they got married when they were just 19 years old, which seems crazy to me, but uh, they just recently celebrated their 55th wedding anniversary, which I think is pretty awesome. It's a pretty sweet example that they've given to our family just through their dedication to one another, and I'm grateful to them for that, and uh, and many other things actually. So, and but most importantly, I'm eternally grateful to them that they raised us up in the church and with Christian teaching and values, and because I can't imagine where I'd be today otherwise. Proverbs 22 says, "Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it." Um, so now the church that we attended growing up was uh late 80s early 90s um church was a little different than than it is today um some of you may have had a similar experience um and relate to this so the church we attended was one where like the, the men wore suits the ladies wore their dresses kids we all wore our sunday best the kids did and um you know it was just a place where everybody was looking good and seemingly living their, you know, their best life, you'd hear these conversations in the lobby like, hey brother, how you doing? Never better, praise God. And it was just like, very much like that. Um, and anyways, you know, we were taught in Sunday school, obviously Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Um, but there was also, I've been thinking through this, like was it taught this way or did I just internalize it and receive it this way? So just to be clear, on that is that basically my understanding was like God loves us and he's going to bless us when we do good things and we're doing his, his good work, right? And then we receive blessing. Um, so basically, if things are going good, then that means I must be doing all of the good things and God's pleased with me. And so now I'm experiencing his blessing, right? But now for this to be true, then the opposite also has to be true. So if things aren't going well for me, well, that's a result of my sin, I've been bad. I'm falling short of his expectations in some way, so now I'm going to be punished. Um, Now today, I don't believe this at all. (laughs) And the reason being is because I've read my Bible twice. (laughs) (laughs) And it says in Ephesians chapter 2, for it is by grace you have been saved, not through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And in Romans 8, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger of sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation would be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Praise God for that. So I'm not bringing, I'm bringing this up, not like as a way of like bashing the church. It's just, um, you know, the truth is like the church is never going to get things right 100% of the time. Um, And so this is just my childhood experience and memories and the way I internalize things. So if you're here today and you think that you found a place where everybody's got it all together, you're going to be disappointed, Um, whether it's here at I-90 or any other church for that matter, right? Um, And so the reason that I shared that experience is to give some context and trying to paint a picture of the early foundation that was laid in my mind of what it meant to be a Christian, and also how I believed that God operated. It was very transactional: do good, get good; do bad, you're gonna you're gonna be punished for that. Um, and so, kind of what I learned is that in order to keep looking good all the time, which is impossible, um, is that I needed to hide things about myself and keep secrets. Um, and the truth is, I hid a lot of things, had a lot of secrets, <clears throat> but there was. One really big secret that I had kept um, f- see what um, nobody knew was that I had experienced some sexual trauma from an older family member, and it uh, it, it started early i don't know exactly when <clears throat> it went on for many years. Uh, of course, I never told anybody this. I kept it hidden and I kept it a secret. <clears throat> I was able to, like, for so many years, compartmentalize this thing into like an alternate reality so that I could just escape the overwhelming guilt and shame um, that I would feel. Otherwise, it'd leave me, you know, pretty dark places, and uh, even at a young age, having thoughts of suicide and so on. So you see, at the <coughs> very deepest levels, at this point, my core identity had been formed. I believed that I was bad and that if anyone knew the truth about me, they would never truly love me or accept me. And beyond that, how could God ever love or forgive me? And so this became my forever and always like inner dialogue that would play in my mind. Um, Eventually, those uh, sexual interactions ended after about a decade. I wanted so desperately to put those memories behind me. And, uh, and while I don't think I logically like, processed it out and thought, okay, this is how I'm going to be, or this is what I'm going to do, the way that it like, manifested in me was I just became excessively sexually active from my early teens to my early 30s. And it left a lot of hurt people along the way. And it was all just in an attempt to, to bury that past and just prove to myself that I was normal. Um, Needless to say, that didn't work. And that ever-present internal dialogue of torment just was on a repeat. It was always in my head, always so self-conscious, always so worried about what people thought, you know, being found out. And eventually, I began looking for new ways to quiet that noise. Um, I became addicted to pornography and was using drugs and drinking myself into blackouts at just 13 years old. Um, And I was successful, at least I think so, I'd have to ask my parents, in hiding these things from my family for many, many years. (laughs) Eventually, though, things, they caught up with me, as they do. Thank God. Uh, Between the ages of 19 and 27, I managed to get three DUIs. Uh, the first two, I was able to plead down to a lesser charge, and the third one resulted in about a month in jail, followed by 45 days or so of house arrest. I had one of those ankle bracelets, <laughs> everything, um, and then a number of other court-ordered things as part of my probation. So you'd think at this point, I'd maybe have the wherewithal to seek help and get cleaned up, but you'd be wrong. I had to learn things the hard way. Um, Another five years of heavy drinking, drug use, and partying would pass until I finally hit rock bottom. It was in the summer of 2008, and despite all the partying and craziness and dysfunction that had been going on, I had somehow managed to be relatively successful as a realtor for a number of years. And so a lot of you will recall back in 2008, and that summer of 2008 is when the real estate market crashed and just like the bottom just fell out. And uh, it was a mess, and I got caught up in that. <clears throat> and uh, um, so at that, at that time, I had <clears throat> bought this big house, a big, so a big house with a pool, views of the lake, a big new fancy car. Um, but I was also about a million dollars in debt. And now I was right on the brink of losing everything, all of this persona of success that I had built up. Again, trying to cover up. Um, how just unhappy I was with you know who I was and whatnot so and I did I ended up losing everything um, but you know all the while doing my best to like keep up the appearances and looking good and like still driving that stupid car when I met Aaron, I had a thousand dollar car payment and no money and it was so, she's like what are you doing <laughs> that is not in the talk um, <laughs> I think it's probably worth mentioning um, that I had never renounced my faith, right? I still believed in God. And if you asked me, I would have told you I was a Christian, even though I hadn't gone to church, really, um, or cracked my Bible or had a relationship. Like, you know, if I prayed to God, it was like, help me in this, you know, like to just receive something. But I wasn't pursuing him in any way. Um, I'd just been off doing my own thing, avoiding him because of the choices that I was making. Um, there wasn't a relationship there at all. And uh, as I was was writing this, it it reminded me of the story of the prodigal son, which is also known as the parable of the lost son. Jesus is uh, telling the story and says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got Together, all he had set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Sounds familiar. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him <clears throat> to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And this is, I mean, this is who our God is, right? He loves us so much. He forgives us. We're never too far gone. Um, And all because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. We just have to make that turn to him because he's right there waiting for us. So don't let Satan or anyone else ever convince you otherwise. Anyways, back to my story. Um, It was at this time, God placed a few key people into my life. One who had confronted me about my drinking and invited me uh, to an AA meeting, which I accepted and went with him. Um, While I was in Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, I got a sponsor. His name was Moose. Moose. (laughs) and uh, he was the very first person that I ever shared with about my childhood sexual trauma. I've since been able to receive the help, love, and support I needed through counseling, family, and some amazing Christian friends who God placed into my life at just the precise right moments in time. So good. Uh, The other person God brought into my life was one of my friends who had recently started attending a church, and he invited me to come with him. Uh, It was in that church that I rededicated my life to Christ and was baptized. It was there that I found a community of men who were leaning into the word and wanting to be better men and Christ followers. Uh, It was there that I met a cute girl in a small group who would eventually become my wife. The entire trajectory of my life had changed in the course of about a year. And every year since, God has been revealing to me through his unconditional love through his grace, his patience, and forgiveness. Has it all been good and easy? I wrote. Nope. (laughs) Uh, Most of it has actually been really, really hard. um, Because change is hard. And, you know, living the life that I've been living, I mean, it was a mess. And, you know, there's just no easy way out of that. And so, if you have lived a hard life, like the good news is God is right there for you, but it's, it's going to take some work. Um, the other, the, I mean, the very, very good news, though, is that God is faithful and he's mighty to save. In Philippians, it says, we can be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Praise God. So anyways, that's just a little bit of my story, and uh, I hope there was something in there in all that mess that resonated and, in some way. Um, so next, I'm going to, my attempt at preaching, so <laughs> I want to, uh, <laughs> I want to try and define some things and attempt, a, like, a, what's a practical biblical application and see if we can learn something from my mistakes, okay? Okay. Um, Looking back at my story, it's pretty clear how lost and how stuck that I was in, uh, in, um, in just being separated from God. I had a wrong understanding of who God is, and I had also formed a wrong core belief about who I was, based upon lies. And I'm like, you know, just trying to process like, how does how does this happen? And again, so I think that initial like wrong understanding of God. And then, you know, pivotal things that happen throughout my life, and we all have these things that, like, tell us, like, oh, you're bad, or you can't do this, or you're, you know, you're dumb, or whatever. Um, And so this forms this core belief, and um, so what does this say here? Hmm. Oh, okay. How did this happen? I'm sorry, I'm getting off track. Um, There's a verse that came to mind when I asked myself that question, which was um, Ephesians 6.12, it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, this begs the question so who's in charge of the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms? Anyone? Yeah. <laughs> That's right, it's Satan. It's always Satan. Um, And so, who is Satan? So, the Bible tells us Satan's a liar. He's the father of lies. He comes only to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Uh, It says in John chapter 8 that he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So, he's trying to think of examples, you know, because he's very crafty. And so all these years, he'd been whispering lies into my ear that I believed, and um, uh, thinking about, like, Eve in the garden, right? She's <clears throat> looking, you know, considering the fruit, and she's like, oh, but God said I'm going to die. And he's like, he didn't, surely did not say that you will die, which is kind of true, right? Like, she didn't instantly die, but she did lose her eternal self after eating it, um, there's a the guy, um, Mark Adams, he's not here today, but he, he says often and reminds us, you know, Satan's going to tell us 99 truths to sneak in that one lie. Um, and it's so true because the next <laughs> example I was thinking of was Jesus um, after he's baptized, right? So he sees John the Baptist baptized, the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. God says, this is my son who I'm well pleased Flip the page, very next chapter, it says the Holy Spirit l- led Jesus into the desert to be tempted by Satan. I thought that was very interesting that the Holy Spirit led him there to be tempted. For anyone who's considering baptism, you've got that to look forward to. Um, but anyways, that if you read that, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read it all, but there's a, a few different. Attempts he makes to come at Jesus and basically with a lie, with an untruth, but he's using Scripture, which I think was his first mistake, because Jesus is the Word. He knows the word better than anyone else. And so how did he respond? He responds back with Scripture, with truth. right And so um, that was my next question, it was like, how do we combat Satan's lies? And I'm like, well, we've got to read our Bibles at least twice. <laughs> Um, and know God's Word, you know, to have it in our heart so that we can call on it during those times of trials and temptations, just like Jesus did in the desert. Hebrews 4.12 says that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Um, So in addition to... Again, first of all, knowing who our enemy is and where the battle's going on in that spiritual realm, reading the word and having it in our heart, we need to spend time with the Lord. We've gotta be, we've gotta be spending time in prayer and in worship, and I am not great at this. Um, I'm not great at any of this, actually. <laughs> but um, John fifteen five says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you... You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, Another thing is to be in community. Like, again, what changed, where things started changing for me is, like, whether it was my Alcoholics Anonymous community or my church, I was finding support. I was finding help and people who could come alongside me. And so I wasn't just on an island, you know, in my own, like, deep, dark thoughts and sadness. So... Um, let's think about this, like fall small groups are coming up, they're just around the corner, so if you haven't gotten plugged into a group in the past, then maybe you want to consider doing that uh, this time around, because we're not meant to do this alone. Uh, The Bible says, do not give up on meeting together, and as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Um, Lastly, and I scribbled this this morning before I came in, it was... um, you know if you are someone who struggles with addictions um, or have some you know pretty deep wounds from your past, you know find find a, a a network community for healing you know the Alcoholics Anonymous was great for me there's celebrate recovery there's lots of different things that um, that are out there that you can get plugged into um, counseling i go I see a counselor every two weeks. <laughs> And uh, he actually knew Dallas Willard Trey. <laughs> so I think he would be approved. <laughs> if anybody needs a name, um, that can, can help you process through those things. Um, and, uh, you know, first and foremost, yes, let's read our Bibles, but there are some other great resources. This used to be a pet peeve of mine. When pastors would be done, and I've got a great book for you, and it wasn't the Bible, so here I am doing it. Um, so, in John Mark Comer, we've referenced this before he writes a book called Live No Lies. And this is, you know, speaking directly to having a, a, a solid foundational understanding of who God is and then who God says that we is so that we're not living in, a, in Satan's lies and a wrong understanding. And then this, this book was um, recommended to me, and I w- I've gone through it recently with my counselor. It's called Unwanted. It says how sexual brokenness reveals our way to healing. And That's by Jay Stringer. It's an excellent book. Um, So clearly you can see from my story that if you try to live the Christian life without knowing who God is or what His Word says, if you're not in community or spending time with Him in prayer and worship, it just doesn't turn out so good. Um, So if this has been your story or experience or something along those lines, I'd like to invite you to turn back to the Father. Start reading his words, spending time with him through prayer and worship. He's right there, eagerly waiting to welcome you back into his loving arms. Worship team, you can come on up. <laughs> I, um, I have more. I'm going to read, <clears throat> close with this. Uh, it's just this beautiful picture of conversion that C.S. Lewis provides for us uh, in his book, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. It was part of the Narnia series. <laughs> may have read this or, seen, or seen, maybe seen the movie. <clears throat> so there's the character Eustace. He's kind of his, uh bratty little cousin. Um, but anyways, he ended up in Narnia on this trip. And uh, he managed to get himself turned into a dragon because he was being selfish and greedy and following his ways, right? Um, and so this that I'm going to read is Eustace. He's recounting the story of what happened um, to his uh, cousin Edmund and how the lion... Aslan, who represents Jesus, helped Eustace to transform from this dragon back into his true self. It's kind of long, so bear with me here. <clears throat> he says, I looked up and saw the very last thing I expected, a huge lion coming slowly toward me. And one queer thing that was there was no moon that night, but there was moonlight where the lion was. So it came nearer and nearer. It was I was terribly afraid of it. You may may think that being a dragon, I could have knocked any lion out easily enough. But it wasn't that kind of fear. I wasn't afraid of it eating me. I was just afraid of it, if you can understand. Well, it came close up to me and looked straight into my eyes, and I shut my eyes tight. But that wasn't any good because it told me to follow it. You mean it spoke to you? I don't know. Now that you mention it, I don't think it did. But it told me all the same and I knew I'd have to do what it told me, so I got up and I followed it. And it led me a long way into the mountains. There was a garden, trees and fruit, and everything in the middle of it, and, oh, and everything, and in the middle of it, there was a well. The water was as clear as anything, and I thought if I could just get in there and bathe, it would ease the pain. But the lion told me I must undress first. So I started scratching myself, and my scales began coming off all over the place. But just as I was going to put my feet into the water, I looked down and saw that they were all hard and rough and wrinkled and scaly, just as they had been before. Then the lion said, but I don't know if it spoke. You will have to let me undress you. I was afraid of his claws, I can tell you, um, but I was pretty nearly desperate now. So I just lay flat down on my back to let him do it. The very first tear he made was so deep that I thought it had gone right into my heart. And when he began pulling off the skin, it hurt worse than anything I've ever felt. The only thing that made me able to bear it was just the pleasure of feeling the stuff peel off. You know, if you've ever picked the scab off a sore place, and it hurts like Billy-O, but it, it is such fun to see it coming away. Oh, I know exactly what you mean, said Edmund. Well, he peeled the beastly stuff right off, just as I thought I'd done it myself the other three times. Only they hadn't hurt. And there it was lying on the grass, ever so much thicker and darker and more knobbly looking than the others had been. And there I was, as smooth and soft as a peeled switch and smaller than I had been. Then he caught hold of me. Well, I didn't like that much, for I was very tender underneath now that I'd had no skin. And he threw me into the water. It smarted like anything, but only for a moment. After that, it became perfectly delicious, and as soon as I started swimming and splashing, I found that all the pain had gone from my arm, and then I saw why. I had turned into a boy again. (sighs) Lord, thank you for your promise to carry on the good work in us to completion, that you will fight for us, that we need only to be still, and that we don't need to remain in bondage to our sin or hide from our painful past, because the old has passed away, behold, the new has come. And thank you, Lord, that even though we may not see it or feel it, you never stop working. Help us to hold on to these truths and promises as we leave from here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks.
0: Hey, why don't we just stand up and we're going to worship together? That was about the best first sermon I've ever heard. Way to go, Tony.